Hello and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Katie. And we are still married. And we're joined by Matt and Lindsay Kerr. Thank you so much for joining us Hold today. Hold on, Kerr or Carr? Correct. Yeah, that Kerr. was right. Yep. I, I think I mentioned this to Lindsay. We had a Mrs. Kerr teacher last year. I love it. Um, yeah, and it was it's K J A R and it's that it's just anyway, it's unique. So I will admit that I have cheated a little bit as well because mm-hmm. I listened to your interview with uh, Jody Moore on the Better Than Happy podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, I listened to it about a week ago and then again about a half an hour. We had ago. to do a refresher course. <laughs> uh, I love absolutely it. loved it. We're in for a treat. I think um by the end of this, um Everyone that is listening will will agree that uh, the cares should be the ones that are interviewing us. Uh, <laughs> you guys are very well spoken, and we're excited to have you on. Well, thank you. We're excited to be here. We really appreciate it. So right. yeah, so let's, let's just let's dive just in. Know each other. Uh, introductions, real quick. Where you guys live? I, I'll pretend like we didn't do this off air five minutes ago. yeah matt and i both grew up in utah he grew up in woods cross and he is one of eight children and i grew up in sandy and i have a blended family um four kids mixed with three kids and yeah so we both come from really big families we're both towards the end of um of our families the younger so that's a real advantage we get to watch all of our older siblings make tons of awesome mistakes with their kids and be like let's not do that and let's do that no but more than the mistakes they they do so many wonderful things that we try to mimic so we're always trying to copy our our big brothers and sisters and yeah just do what they do but anyway so that's that's been a fun advantage for us that's great. And you guys have four kids. Tell us, give us the age spread. Sure. So yeah, we have two boys, two girls, and our oldest is 15. And then our, our well, soon to be 15. Um, and then our youngest is seven. It's pretty funny because now he's getting ready. He's thinking he's going to start driving soon, which terrifies me slightly. But um <laughs> It's it's kind of fun to see and to remember back to that time of, of life and be like, wait, that was that seriously seems like it was yesterday, but uh, now my kids are going through that. Your wrinkles would tell otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time. Uh, that's awesome. Now I, I know just being in the position that I'm in within this mixed faith marriage, I see the ages, and we'll get to the kids a little later. I see the ages of seven to fifteen, and immediately you think, oh my gosh, I want to talk to them about how they handle milestones. When the yeah. seven-year-old turns eight, when the fifteen-year-old is turns sixteen, and, and yeah, and yeah, uh, all yep. of the fun things. So we'll we'll get there. We'll, uh, we don't want to put the cart before the horse. Is that the phrase? Uh-huh. Yeah, like, yeah, like it Forrest is. Forrest Gump. I always get the phrases wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but so um, Matt, tell us a little bit about what you do for work. Uh, so I do video and television production. Um, I graduated in broadcasting and and have worked in. Uh, with several different networks and and then um, lots of different freelancing and then I own my own uh, video and television production company so I do that and then uh, and then I'm lucky enough to get to work at home with my wife that's awesome Ooh, I want to hear that wait that so television and production I mean what do you mostly yeah so I do I mean I everything from commercials to television shows to um, I do a lot of uh, kind of corporate training. So I've, I've worked on different television shows um, and produced different things. So a little bit of everything. I mean, everything from, you know, I've worked with the Olympics and, and been overseas with that to um, doing, you know, 
everyday wedding videos. Wedding videos and yeah, I, I don't do those nearly as much as I did in my early career, but yeah, so all sorts of different things, but I primarily stick with um, corporate clients and, and uh, television shows, that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Uh, before we move on to the joint venture, um, I, I want to ask, this may end up being cut out, but are you tapped into kind of the, the Utah-based acting scene of any of the kind of the Utah actors, or are you kind of different world? Um, I used to be a little bit more. I actually, I have a background in, in theater. I, that's kind of how I got into video and television production is I was, I was a young, I was a child actor <laughs> and, um, and I would always, I had an agent and I would, I was on a couple, I was in a couple of like small films and stuff. And I, I remember watching and seeing the guys on the other side of the camera and being like, I want to be that guy. Oh, cool. Yeah. And usually you hear the story of the other way around. It's the guy with the camera going, I want to oh. be. <laughs> you mentioned that you, you work together at home. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I got a degree in psychology and special education and then raised our kids. And um, as soon as our youngest went into school full time, I decided I wanted to kind of use my psychology degree to do something. I've always been kind of obsessed with behavioral sciences. And, um, and so, yeah, we started listening to to Jody Moore. And then when we looked, you know, into her, like her background and stuff more, I realized she was trained, you know, from the life coach school. So I um, signed up and went down to Texas about six months ago and trained with Brooke Castillo to become a life coach. So, so now Matt and I are doing that together as well, kind of as a side gig. I, I remember in your Jody Moore interview, Lindsay, you mentioned... Oh, Jennifer Finlayson no, Fife. No, no. Oh, oh, Claudine Gallagher. Claudine, Claudine. sorry. Claudine Gallagher, yeah. 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 Claudine and I have had a few chats. She's She lives in Santa Barbara. That's where I grew up. And oh, cool. We've worked together on a couple of little things here and there, but it's a yeah, so, community when, when you, people are working together to try to help other people out. Totally. Claudine, I met Claudine um, at the same coaching um, seminar that I was at. We were both training to be coaches at the same time. And so um, we were in the same small group together and she was like, you're from Utah. Are you? And I said, well, I, I used to be Mormon. And she was like, oh, her <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had a lot in common right from the start. And um, yeah, and we are really good friends. So yeah, she's a fun one. Oh, how cool. That's great. Uh, two-pronged question and the second half is more important than the first uh how did you find marriage on a tightrope and and why have you been how, why have you decided to be so open and public about your mixed faith marriage okay i'll start off um because i'm the one who found you guys um bill real and his um podcast were just super instrumental for me as i was making my transition away from mormonism and um, yeah, and so that's how I found you guys. I've just always been a fan of his podcast and just his website and all of his articles. I've I've just read a bunch of the books that he's recommended and um, and just found his yeah his work to be really helpful in my transition. So and then Matt, do you want to answer the second part? Yeah, I think we just feel like people try to hide so many different things just because um, there can be a lot of shame in life not being what. Um, you thought it might be or what other people think it should be. And, and I think we want to kind of help people recognize that you don't need to be 
everybody's journey is individual and you don't need to be shamed or feel shamed even if you're the one who's doing the shaming because oftentimes it's not somebody else as much as it is your, yourself. You don't need to feel shameful about your journey and about the where you're, where you're going and, and your life. And if we can help anybody um, feel like they can, they can kind of love the life that they have um, and, and love the people that they're with and be better people then then we're all for that. I think I love Lindsay and she loves me and 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 we care so much about each other that we don't want anybody to question, you know, well, aren't you worried about this or aren't you worried about that? You know, there's a lot of things we could choose to be worried about, but we choose to worry about loving each other. So, that's why we're so open. Mm-hmm. Beautiful answer. Yeah, that's perfect. That That's kind of a um, great segue to get into just a little bit of background, um, how the two of you met, and how did you get together? Yeah, we met down in Cedar City going to school. Matt was doing video and television production, interviewing students in the hallway about what they were doing for their Thanksgiving break. It was big news. Yeah, <laughs> SEU news. And so he interviewed me. And so the very first time that we ever met, we have it on video. We put it on our wedding video. So that's kind of fun. But um, he went back to edit the piece for the news and my roommates were in his class. And so uh, they saw me, you know, as he's editing and, and they were like, hey, you interviewed our roommate. And he was like, well, set me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we went on a date after that on my birthday, which felt really depressing because that yeah. was like a blind date on my birthday. That sounds so desperate. <laughs> <laughs> People I know and who love me. But anyway, so we started dating and then, um, yeah, we both, we both came up to Salt Lake for the, for the Salt Lake Olympics. Matt was working for the Olympics and I was a volunteer. I went on a mission to Italy and um, was volunteering as a as like a translator for one of the Italian dignitaries. And um, anyway, so yeah, so we dated more up here in Salt Lake during the Olympics, and then got engaged shortly after. And we were married by July of the next year. Wow! So you served a mission um, in Italy, and what about? Yeah, I and I served a mission in Bulgaria. Oh, okay, yeah. Bulgaria. Wow! Yeah. Look at all mm-hmm. yeah, so both in in Europe and and both. Um, pretty difficult missions for different reasons, but yeah. So how would, how would you say they were different in the difficulties? My mission, actually, I don't, I don't know that I would classify mine as difficult. I think it's funny looking back, even, um, even though I still had a very strong testimony of the church when I was on my mission, I never wanted to convert people. And so I never felt that pressure because I always felt like they were probably already fine where they were. I just wanted to talk to them and love them and serve them. And I just, I don't know, I never felt that pressure to like, to like convince people that they should change religions or that they should get baptized so my mission, and I honestly, we taught so many um, Africans in Italy, which was super interesting. Yeah. yeah, I taught in English to a lot of people who are already Christian and, um, and just, I don't know, I had, a, I had a ball. It was really fun. I, I, I loved my mission, but it was super difficult for me. <laughs> it was, it, it was a, a place that I'd never even pictured myself being in, and, um, and I'd never been, I'd never felt I'd never felt a kind of like ashamed or like um, pressure or, or like 
as an outsider being a member of the church because I grew up in Utah and most everybody around me was LDS. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then when I was in Bulgaria, we were not only were we, you know, kind of, we, we weren't actually, while I was there, we weren't allowed at the very beginning to even wear our name tags because, um, skinheads would, would beat up the missionaries to steal their name tags. That was kind of a gang initiation. In fact, one of the guys from my MTC group, um, was beat up so badly he had to come home and, wow. and finish his mission in a different area. And so mm. I was constantly kind of afraid, but at the same time feeling like what I was doing was, was good and was right. And so it was, it was difficult for me, but it was really, really good for me. I, I still remember this one experience. It was a major confrontation from my perspective. This man basically yelling in my face, calling me garbage and, um, and I didn't, I didn't know anything, but to, to, I turned around, like I, I kept saying I'm not garbage and, and he was yelling from across the park by the end. He just kept yelling in my face and then would, and then was walking away. And so I turned to the very next person who was next to me, um, and just like started testifying and was like, I'm not garbage and neither are you, you are a child of God and, wow. and you're a value and I'm a value. And, and that man is even a value. And, it was ironic because it ended up being a um, a reporter from the the local paper who wanted to ask us questions about uh, why we were there, and it ended up being a good thing for me. But it was it was pretty tricky. It, there were lots of ups and downs, and I think that was one of the very first times that I ever felt like persecution. I guess that's the word right. that I was looking for. Yeah, we both served in Spain. We both taught a lot of um, Africans, English speaking. Which mission in Spain? It's an African, uh, Barcelona. Okay. My best friend served in uh, Malaga, so. Oh, nice. Oh, great. Yeah. We loved it, but we understand the the difficulties of a Europe mission, not the dangerous difficulties. No, we didn't have to do that. For sure. But being being a a missionary that did want to convert people, it was difficult, Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. <laughs> so um, take us, I mean, you get married, take us through just maybe like some early marriage stuff and then to where Lindsay, you start having questions or doubts um, wherever that started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Matt and I both, I think we said this in Jody's podcast. If anyone had listened to that, this will be a repeat, but we both kind of, honestly, we're kind of the most spiritual members of our, of our family. Like, <laughs> Like we both were just, I mean, eye to eye on, um, on just all things spiritual. We both just absolutely loved the gospel. And every time it was Sunday, we just looked forward to going to church and never missed a week. And, but I guess, I guess the differences that maybe came out early in our marriage were that I had lots of doubts. I just, I things would come up now and then, and I would just say, but what do you think about this or that? And, and that was always very unwavering in, you know, in his answers and in his faith and, and I was definitely more of a questioner and, but also I was a, a shelver. <laughs> the first, um, you know, like probably 14 years of our marriage, I, I would think about things for a minute, but not too long. I think I always felt a little bit guilty or naughty, like questioning or doubting things. And, and so I would just quickly, you know, push it off to the side and, and move on. But Matt, from your point of view, when she had questions or doubts or, I mean, was she talking to you about them? What, what was the conversation between the two of you? So sure, I, sure. Oh, I, I maybe Matt. I, I mean, just knowing from from uh-huh. the the other podcasts that we've listened to, um, most of the people that that we have talked to, uh, Matt and Lizzie, just for your context, I would say 
the great majority. Yeah. Uh, it's the husband who has had historical issues. Right. So usually when we ask that question, it's from the perspective of oh, who introduced you to the CES letter or when did you start reading the gospel topic? I says, and understand Lindsay that it, it didn't quite work like that for you. I, I guess it probably makes most sense. Sorry to steal your question, Katie, to, to Lindsay, just explain to us kind of the, the conversation you had with a close friend and, and um, we can get into kind of that transition yeah. crisis, however you want to, you want to phrase it. Sure. I think, um, yeah. So earlier, I think the doubts that I had were based on kind of historical things. Like I, I definitely had issues with polygamy and I felt like I had been, um, I felt a little bit of betrayal that I hadn't been taught about just lots of the historical things. I never even knew that Joseph Smith had more than one wife until I was like 16 years old. And so that kind of stuff bugged me. I thought, why, why didn't they teach us that, you know, and, and polygamy, I always had some pretty serious issues with polygamy. And then, yeah, but for me, honestly, for sure, the catalyst that, um, you know, like jettisoned me into the rabbit hole um, of searching was, uh, yeah, I had a, a visit, Matt and I have a close friend who's gay and he came to us and, and just told us, Hey, I've never really opened up to you about this before, but I just want to let you know that I'm gay. And I, um, as much as I love, um, the people that are in the LDS church, I've decided that it's not, you know, the path that I'm going to continue on. And yeah. And at that point, Matt and I both were still, you know, firm believers in prophecy. And, and so, you know, we just told him how much we loved him and how much we would support him. But at the same time that we believed the words of living prophets and we, and we, you know, believed that the, that marriage was to be only between a man and a woman. And, and so, yeah, we just kind of told him that. And, and then, um, as he left that evening, I, I couldn't get past my thoughts that, um, you know, if I were in his shoes, um, would I have, the the desire to put all of my faith in a living prophet and you know and live my entire life hoping that the words that they were speaking um were true and you know and put put and you know any hope for a relationship with someone on the line hoping you know that that even though they changed their minds so many times in the past that this time you know maybe they wouldn't change their minds and maybe this really was you know, God's, God's plan. And I just, I just knew pretty immediately that I wouldn't do that. That if I was him, that I would, that I would have left too. And that I would have, um, you know, pursued the life that I wanted and the life that felt natural and normal and good and loving to me. And so, yeah, so that's where it all started. And <laughs> I think probably that evening I, I stayed up till, you know, just the wee hours of the morning, reading and reading and studying and thinking and praying. And it continued for the next couple of months that I just, you know, every waking hour that I wasn't, you know, involved with something else, I was just deep in study and thought and prayer and writing and talking and, and it was an obsession. And, um, within about two months, I, they asked me if I would, uh, for a different, I was in young women's at the time and, um, they were changing around the presidency and it was just kind of a perfect opportunity for me to say, Hey, um, you know, I actually can't, <laughs> I can't take a calling anymore. I need to be released and I need to have some time to, to just, you know, have a break and to just to be able to have the air to, to breathe and to think about where I wanted to go from there. So, so as you're doing this, then let me go back and ask Matt, what's your observation of Lindsay during this, this two month period after this friend visits and she's really like studying things out. How are you feeling? 
Yeah. So, um, I was right there alongside her. We were talking about it pretty regularly. Um, and, and I, I was, you know, doing some, uh, questioning of my own as well. You know, I, I had a, I had a really difficult time trying to understand, um, and still, you know, still have questions about that. Like, you know, what, what would I do in that circumstance if I were, if I were in his shoes, if I were in this friend's shoes, um, and, and I kind of, I, you know, so I, I watched a lot of this, but I also went through a lot of it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think it's interesting because I, I think naturally, I think we all as people want to be like, okay, well you should join me on this side or you should join me on that side. But I, I don't feel that way. I, I feel like each one of us, you know, ha- we we need to figure this out for ourselves and so I'm super grateful to Lindsay that she, you know, she still supports me and loves me, um, even though I don't feel the same answer. Or I don't, I don't, re- you know, I don't think the same way that she thinks about it. And and I'm super, I'm super grateful that she loves and supports me. And and I completely love, completely love and support her as well. Um, I feel like all of us are on individual journeys and all of us have an individual path. And so for us to, um, to say, you know, you should walk exactly the way that I do, uh, wouldn't be very fair. I, I often think about, I wear glasses and I wear contacts and, and sometimes my glasses are perfect and sometimes I need to get my prescription changed. Um, and if I were to say, well, these are what always have worked for me and hand them to Lindsay and tell her that she has to wear those glasses um, because they work for me, it just wouldn't, it, that actually happened to me when I was a little kid. When I was young, the, I went to the eye doctor. I had this weird thing where my eyes did this like shaking. Everything would look like uh, it was shaking and and it would kind of vibrate and they couldn't figure out what it was. And the eye doctor, bless his heart, was like, well, here, try these glasses. <laughs> he didn't know. And I couldn't see through them. I couldn't, I had to be moved to the front of the, the classroom. I had to like, literally, I had to take them off so that I could see what was written on the board. And I, and I still remember that because I remember thinking like, this doesn't make any sense. Like th- these glasses aren't doing me any good. And so having had that experience, like I relate that very, very much to like how I see things and how Lindsay sees things and how other people see things. It's not fair for me to say you should put these glasses on um, and see them exactly the way that I see them because it's always worked for me and vice versa. And Matt was actually a lot more gracious um, that way than I was. Um, he was very open to letting me pursue, you know, the, the things that I wanted to pursue. But I definitely was the one who was like, you should come with me. <laughs> you should come with me. I think I've chosen the better way and you should come with me, you know? And so, um, but with time I, you know, I realized that that wasn't helpful and yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Matt, uh, I love that analogy that you use. That example uh, works in, in so many ways. And it's one, your glasses don't work for necessarily work for Lindsay and your glasses may change over time for you as well. And that's, yes. that's, that's said from the perspective of not, not hoping that eventually you do see eye to eye, but reserving that right for you personally on both sides to make any number of changes moving forward. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and you know, the thing that's funny 
is um, my eyesight, my, my literal eyesight has changed and continues to change. It's gotten better. It's gotten worse. It's, and I, I thought that was the strangest thing. I went to the eye doctor not too long ago and I was like, uh, these aren't working anymore. And he said, oh yeah, your eyesight's improved. And I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't think that happened. And he said, yeah, as you age, sometimes your eyesight improves and sometimes it goes down again. And, and I thought that is like, that analogy is super interesting because we think, I think we think as people that, you know, once you get to this threshold, then everything, everything will be whatever it is. I, I, I remember thinking this way about when I get home from a mission, then I'll have checked that thing off my list and everything will be, you know, it's like happily ever after. <laughs> and you recognize at some point that life is like the ocean. It ebbs and it flows and it, it, sometimes the tide is in and sometimes the tide is out and, and that's okay. Like to, you need to be okay with those times. And instead of trying to fight against those times, you need to, to recognize and, and find the strengths in those times. Lindsay, you mentioned just a moment ago, you, at first, before you learned a, a, a higher path, <laughs> you, you mentioned, uh, the desire to have Matt see the, that your new path was the right one and it was better. I think this is so important for those that are very early into a faith transition that are, it doesn't even have to necessarily be your spouse. Uh, obviously the, the, this podcast is directed at, at, at couples, but for your family, for your friends as well, trying to, to pull people over to your, your side, quote unquote, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about, um, some of the things, some of the reasons why you felt so compelled to, to talk to Matt, I think some of that's pretty obvious why you would feel that need, but talk about that and how you would bring it up. Did you try different ways of bringing it up? And what ultimately did you, made you kind of realize, I need, this isn't the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I tried lots of different ways. I, I yelled, I screamed, <laughs> I cried, I, um, wrote him letters. I no, just, you know, just as I would study different things, I would bring different things to his attention, you know, different things that I knew about. And then I would be like, did you know this here? Did, did you know that kind of a thing? And it felt almost like betrayal to me that he would either say like, I did know that or, oh, I didn't know that, but now I do know that. Like I, I just kind of in my head thought, okay, as soon as he knows this, then he's going to, he's going to, you know, be like, oh, well, you're right. We both should leave, you know? And so it felt a little bit like betrayal to me that he, you know, had that understanding, like that knew that same thing I did, but didn't see it the same way I did and didn't find it as offensive as I did, you know? And so, um, yeah, so I tried, I tried lots of different ways to, to, um, you know, to kind of try to convince him that, that my way was the better way. And it always ended in tears. It always, and they were sad tears. They weren't good tears. They were tears of, um, of just a woman who was crazy and trying to control someone else. I realized, and I'm sure I'll keep realizing, I'm sure I'm not completely through, you know, through the woods yet, but um, I just realized super often that when I feel that way, that, that tendency to try to control someone else and try to get someone else to change their opinion, that usually um, that anger comes from a place of me not wanting to do something that feels important to me. Like a boundary has been crossed in my head and I want him to fix it for me or that person to fix it for me, right? And so I think once I kind of realized that, 
I kind of, I, I definitely, I took my power back and I was like, I don't need him to be offended by these things that are offensive to me. I just need to take action and do something about it. And that kind of solved it for me. It, when I was, when I was offended that um, the church, you know, still allows children to be called in for interviews, um, you know, with bishops alone in a room with a bishop. And I was like, why doesn't this make you crazy? Like it's making me crazy kind of a thing. Matt was like, I don't know. Like we just had this long discussion. I, and I, I finally figured out that, um, you know, that my anger was subsided when I just committed to doing something about it, to going and talking to our, to our family bishop and saying, Hey, like, you know, if our kids ever, you know, are up for an interview, like I want to be there in the room with them. And I want to, you know, I want to be the one who is there advocating, you know, for, for their needs. And um, anyway, so that's, that's kind of the path that I've taken is that I want to be empowered with my beliefs and my convictions. And um, when I give them away to someone else, you know, to Matt or anyone else and think that they are the ones who have to fix something for me or, or they have to be offended like I'm offended or they have to make it better for me, then that's just such a powerless place to be. And it doesn't work for me. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm curious, Matt, you're, um, as she's discovering things and, you know, going to the bishop and talking to him about being in interviews, what, what is your expectation here? Do you expect her to come and talk to you about these things that she's learning and she's bringing up? Do you expect her to, um, you know, want or need to talk to somebody else in the same boat? How are you feeling about that? So I'm grateful when she comes and talks to me about things. Uh, I don't, expect her to, I, I, anytime I have an expectation, um, I think I'm setting, setting myself up for, for some pain and suffering in myself. Right. Um, I'm, I'm doing the same thing that Lindsay was just referencing. It's like, I have a television remote and I hand it to her and say, I want to watch this show. And then she changes the channel and I'm like, no, I wanted to watch that show. Why'd you change it? And <laughs> me the remote. Um, so I'm grateful when she talks to me and opens up to me about things. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's difficult and, and we, sometimes we agree and sometimes we disagree. And, um, but at the same time, I'd rather be here and, and talking about it than, um, than not be here at all. And, and so, and, and she, you know, she does talk, I think she, she talks to other people, um, who are, who are kind of on her same, her same vein, um, Claudine Gallagher is one of the coaches that she's worked with and she's, and she's absolutely loved um, coaching with her because uh, she said it's been so helpful. Um, It's interesting when we, I think sometimes when we expect something from somebody else, um, it just, it does, it goes back to to us not wanting to do it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so if we can just kind of turn that mirror around and, and look ourselves in the face and, and recognize that, um, you know, there's something that we want to do individually, then it's so much more helpful. Um, so we, we talk a lot about things and I'm grateful when she does talk to me about things. And, and, um, even if it might be upsetting to me, I, I, I had this thought the other day about protecting. I think that's the, that's the thought that I was, that kind of came up is, is I, I was thinking, Oh, somebody needs to be protected here. And I was thinking about that, um, like if I were trying to protect the church or if I were pro- trying to protect, like when you're trying to protect somebody, 
it kind of, it kind of, especially if it were the church or, or, or Lindsay's feelings or something like that, it would kind of imply that I don't think that they can handle it. And that's not how I feel. Like if I were trying to protect Lindsay's feelings, if I were, if I were, um, kind of tiptoeing around a subject so that she doesn't feel bad, um, then I, I kind of am saying, uh, she's, she's too tender to, to have a feeling. Um, and the same goes with like, if I'm worried about what, uh, Lindsay says to the Bishop or, or says about the church, that implies that I'm worried that the church couldn't handle it. And, and both of those things are false. Like I, I don't think that there's anything, I don't think that the church needs any protecting. And I don't think that Lindsay needs any protecting. I think, um, she, she can handle, she's strong and she's, she's a, a, a vital, strong woman. And, um, and so she can handle, you know, any, anything that comes at her and, and same with the church. I, I don't think that the church needs protecting. So it's really interesting. I, I had that thought and, and it was kind of an epiphany for me and, and I don't need protecting. Um, I can handle sad feelings. I can handle bad feelings. I can handle good feelings. If the worst thing that I can, that happens is a feeling I can handle that. And, and, typically that is the worst thing is, is feeling something. That's, that's the worst thing that comes up usually. And, and I can handle that. I love, I love that. I love that you broke that down, that you were able to, to recognize that you could handle something like a feeling. And I think that, I mean, of course you just, I think most people just, um, when they think of protection, they become very defensive about, anything they hear good or bad it, it it doesn't matter so i like that you break it down to that um let's let's go to lindsay lindsay tell us now um you've had this experience you have you're finding things out you're talking to the bishop how long does it take you to get to the point where you decide i i can't go to church or are, are you at that point where are you yeah. So, yeah. So about two months after I um, had spoken with our friend, I asked to be released from my calling. And, and th- at that point I just started kind of coming with Matt to sacrament meeting now and then and our kids. And, and most of the time early on, it was actually a lot worse. If I came like the rest of Sunday, I'd be like, you heard that same talk I heard and you nodded or like, and you, or you smiled or like, I would just like be really offended by every little thing. And so, um, it worked out, <laughs> it worked out better for the entire family. If I just didn't come to church for the first couple of months, cause I was still very fragile and immature in my, in my, um, ability to deal with, um, everything at that point. But I'm, I mean, that was like a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now. And now I'm to the point where I can come to church now and then if I want to. Yeah. Most of the time when I go to church now, yeah, I just kind of translate the things that are, that are being said into something that makes sense to me. Um, instead of just taking, you know, listening to every word and being like, I like it. I don't like it. I like it. I don't like it. I just choose to like all of it. And I choose to translate it into something that has meaning for myself and, um, yeah, if they're talking about how they know it's the true church, I just think of how grateful I am that, that people have the ability to think for, about things for themselves. And, you know, I just, I just like kind of translate things into, um, scenarios and into phrases that I like and that make sense to me. And then I'm able to like still love the people that are talking, even if I don't agree with what they're saying. And, and I'm able to, 
you know, leave with, um, without feeling so burdened down by, by the topics that are discussed. Tell about the Amish. Talk about that. Yeah. So, so we went on this trip that, uh, this last year, we took our kids out of school for a year and, and bought an RV and, and went on a road trip. And one of the most, um, one of the most impactful, um, stops that we had was in Northern Indiana. We went to Shipshawana and spent a day with an Amish family. It was just, yeah, it was just super fun to, to see them and to see them in their, their very unique lifestyle that was so different from ours and to hear more about their Amish faith. And, um, the Amish faith is very similar to Mormonism in lots of ways. They have, uh, bishops who lead congregations and the bishops have a lot of a lot of ability to make decisions for their congregation as to what they can and can't do that kind of a thing. And, and so anyway, it was very interesting to listen to them and to see their faith and their, their grit, you know, hanging on to this religion that really um, is just kind of a tricky one to hang on to, if you ask me. And um, anyway, so we, we left there though. And I, I kept telling Matt that (laughs) I would never, I would never have the desire, I don't think, to, you know, to try to convince those Amish people that what they were believing and what they were saying was true um, wasn't. I was able to see Matt with different eyes after, after spending time with them, and I, I just saw him more as like my Amish brother. <laughs> you know, I just thought, you're my husband who's Amish, and, and if, you were, <laughs> if you were Amish, like, I would never try to talk you out of believing that, right? I think because Mormonism was so close to my heart and I felt so much emotion about it, like right. I couldn't separate um, my negative emotion from his belief. And so being able to be with them and separate, you know, I had no negative emotion about their religion and I just respected that they believed something. And mm-hmm. so I was, yeah, I just, I just saw Matt with different eyes after our time with them. And I still tell him sometimes I'm, if I, if I think of you as Catholic or Amish or, or anything else besides Mormon, I have an easier time like being okay with, with your beliefs, you know, and with your, with your determination to just stick to those, um, those tenants that you think are true. I have so many questions about four kids in an RV for a full <laughs> year on the road. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, we have a, we have a website that you can, you can watch lots and lots of videos. It's called 50 by 52.com 50 by 52.com. Oh, you know what? I think you sent me like a mat. Are you sent us a message on Instagram or something? Cause I remember, I remember like, I remember looking at it because you said, Oh, when we get to Utah, we should meet, you know, we should meet up. And anyway, so 50 by 52. I remember that. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, anyway, that's fantastic. Okay. So here's my question. I know we want to move on, but here's, here's another question. How have you talked to your children about your faith transition and what has their response been? And do any of them feel similar or they, have they said anything? Yeah, we, we've always uh, spoken really openly to our kids about everything. <laughs> Matt and I both kind of grew up in homes where you just didn't talk about stuff that was like, that caused, you know, anyone's feathers to ruffle. You just kind of ignored it and walked the other way. So, so we kind of, I don't know why, I think we watched some of our older siblings. Like I said before, we watched our older siblings being more open with their kids than our parents were with us. And I'm not trying to bash on our parents by any means. Like that was just, I mean, I, I'm sure they were more open than their parents were with them. And right. so we're another step in, in what we think is a good direction. But 
yeah, anyway, so it wasn't, it wasn't out of the ordinary for us to be really open with our kids. And right from the start, we just told them, you know, hey, mom, you know, we just started, we kind of just, you know, had, we'd been reading this really great book about the different religions of the world. And so that's kind of how we brought it to their attention was just like, you know how, you know, these people believe this way, those people believe this way. Well, mommy believes kind of differently now than she used to. And, and, um, you know, and so what do you think of that? And, and mommy's not going to go to church today. She's going to stay home and do some other things. What do you think of that? You know, and so we, we just kind of tried to, tried to just kind of, you know, be open with it right from the start and, um, and just let them kind of tell us what they thought of it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, even on, uh, there've been several times that we've had pretty, in some ways, pretty, um, emotional conversations with our kids. I, I remember one particular conversation where, uh, by the end of it, half of them were in tears. <laughs> um, some of them felt one way and some of them felt another way about things. And, and, um, and we both, and Lindsay and I obviously were on different sides of the aisle on, on that conversation as well. And, and we, we kind of finished the conversation with, yeah, this is part of life. And, and sometimes life has tricky questions that, that we have to deal with. And, and we each individually have to kind of figure them out and try and, and figure them out the best that we know how. And, and that's what everyone has to do. Everyone has to, everyone's doing the best that they can with what they have, with what they know and, and with what they feel and, and the way that they perceive the world. And so, um, you know, we're not going to, you know, we want you to think about these things as well. And we want you to, to, um, to be curious and to, to find out for yourself about things because ultimately, you know, <laughs> at some point we're not going to be here. You're not going to be under our roof and, and we want you to be uh, thriving adults who, who know how to, to make decisions and know how to find things out for themselves and, and, um, and just know that we love you. Have you seen uh, either of them, not, I don't want to use the term take sides, but either of them kind of lean one way versus another way. Is it that black and white? Uh, mm-hmm. If if you see one of your kids kind of saying, uh, I want to stay with mom today, how are those situations handled? Yeah, there, yeah, we've definitely seen some of that. Our oldest, um, he's always been one who loves to just like have boundaries and have guidelines and follow the rules and not make anyone upset. So, so of course the fact that we raised him, you know, LDS for this long, he, he has no intention of going anywhere else. Um, and that's totally fine. Um, but he, he does get a little bit defensive now and then if, you know, if we bring up tricky topics, he'll, he'll kind of be like, well, mom, you know, like, are you trying to be mean to dad? Are you trying to say something bad about the church? And I'm like, you know, I just have to kind of remind him, sweetie, I love you and I love dad and I, and I'm so grateful for so many things about the church, but, but it's okay also for me to, you know, to disagree with some things. And, but he's for sure our one who's, you know, the hairs in the back of his neck, whoop, they poke up when, when right. things start to get a little bit sticky, you know, or, and so we're just trying, we try to help him like be okay with that discomfort, you know, that it's, it's okay to, to feel discomfort now and then, and it's okay to have these conversations, even if, they are uncomfortable, you know, and then our, our daughter who is just a year younger than him, she is, she's one that's much more open-minded and, um, yeah. And she's, she's very much open to the idea of, you know, maybe, 
you know, changing her mind from time to time and thinking of things from a, you know, just a pretty open-minded viewpoint. And then our youngest two, our youngest two just do whatever's most fun, right? Like if there's a promised treat at church that day, they're like, we're all in. And if mom's going hiking, they're like, we're out. (laughs) So anyway, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. They've, they've handled it really well. Our kids have, um, I think they've felt our support for them. And so they in turn, I think just feel supportive of us, you know, and we just, I don't know, we just try really hard to love each other and to, to just be, yeah, as open-minded as we can about one another's paths, but it's not easy. It's tricky. Yeah, for sure. Uh, This is a little bit shifting gears, Matt question for you. A uh, little bit shifting gears. How have you seen how 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 difficult has it been for you for some of the social fallout that can occur with something like this? People in the ward, family members, friends start noticing. Specifically, let's talk about the ward, right? They notice Lindsay's not there anymore. Whether did you come out front and explain to them this is what's happening, or how did that feel for you uh, being alone with the kids? Um, at church. At church. Mm-hmm. And did you feel like you had to explain yourself, defend Lindsay? Or how did you handle that? Sure. So at first it was at first it was more tricky because um, you know, she'd been there with me and um well, and it was interesting because at that same time I was on the high council, I think, during that time, huh? And so um so that got even trickier because I would have to be away at different meetings when we had when, you know, we had our regular church time. And so, um, Lindsay would usually try and go with the kids or the kids wouldn't go, she wouldn't take them and, or I'd have to try and, uh, leave from a meeting and to, you know, take my family to church. And, and so at first it was more tricky than, than, um, than later on. Uh, but I remember talking to somebody in the hallway, them, you know, stopping and asking, you know, where's, what's going on? Somebody who had served with Lindsay in the Relief Society residency. And, and she was like, I, I, what's, what's going on? <laughs> that's, that's what she said. And I said, Oh, that's a good question. You know, you, um, and Lindsay and I had already kind of talked about this. I, I, we'd kind of said, you know, okay, when this comes up, when people ask, cause it's going to come up, what do you want me to say? I, I wanted to be cognizant of what um, Lindsay wanted uh, and I wanted to also kind of be, yeah, be cognizant of what she wanted and then, and, and caring about her feeling and what she, you know, what she wanted people to know and what she didn't want people to know. Because it, it was, while it's both of our journeys, it's also, it's more hers than it is mine. Um, I think there was one time when Matt came home from church and told me, so-and-so asked about you and this is what I said. And I was like, I don't that's not what I wanted you to say. <laughs> and, and I think it just took one time, you know, for him to go, Oh, okay. Like I should let I you tell it. you, I should let you tell your own story. And I was like, Oh yeah, will you please? And our daughter came home from church once and said, mom, my, my young women's leader asked me why you don't come to church anymore. And, um, and I said, what did you tell her? <laughs> and she said, and she told me and like kind of what she had told her. And I was like, well, that's kind of true, you know, but I, so I think early on, I just kind of was like, okay, I, I should probably just tell them, like, if people ask you, just refer them to me, just say, I'm, she'd love to hear from you. I'm sure she'd love to talk to you about it. So, you know, just call her, text her, write her, whatever, you know, and, and um, yeah, that way, that's kind of, it's something that we learned on our trip to the kids, 
would, <laughs> we'd have all these different experiences and they'd try to kind of tell each other's stories, you know, just, it was kind of funny. And so we, we kind of made it a family rule that if it's your story, you can tell it. And if it's someone else's story, you have to ask their permission <laughs> before you can tell it to someone else. So it, that's worked for us. So um, you invited or told them, you know, you can invite them to speak directly to me. Did mm-hmm. people reach out to you? Not very many. There were my, uh, yeah, my closest friends in our, in our ward, I, I told, and then the ones who I wasn't super close with, some of them, yeah, some of them reached out, but for the most part, people just kind of kept quiet, <laughs> which mm-hmm. was fine. It was, I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't offended by that by any means. I just, I just was kind of, you know, I'm sure they were uncomfortable and they didn't want to, you know, make me feel uncomfortable by bringing it up if I didn't want to talk about it, but I've tried to make it really, um, you know, just really obvious to most people that I'm happy to talk about it and that it doesn't, if they're curious or if they have, you know, something, if they're going through something that they think I, maybe I could give them some insight or if if they just want to talk, like I'm totally open to that. I've tried to, you know, be open that way, but yeah, I've, I've, Lindsay felt the same thing and experienced pretty much exactly what you both just talked about where it took us a few conversations to get there. But uh, I told Katie the same thing. Basically, if, if somebody asks what's going on, tell him you should ask Alan. He'd be happy to talk with you about it. Well, that's not why, like at first, Alan said, at first, Alan's like, well, of course you're going to tell him that we're happy and everything's good. And I was like, whoa, I'm like on the verge of tears every Sunday alone. Like, I can't do that. And so um, then, I mean, of course, as time passes, things get better. But uh, now it's just like, oh, you have a question? Go talk to Alan. And Mm -hmm. There've been a few that have reached out. A couple, not not a ton, but uh, yeah. probably similar experience to, to what you just described. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I I have a listener question that actually also ties into very uh, similarly the last question we wanted to ask because we wanted to make sure we left it on a positive note. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of the last of the questions that we have. We want to, of course, open it up to you after that to see if there's anything else you would like to to share with our listeners. Um, anything else like that. But uh, this is the listener question and I'll tie it together to our our last positive question that we have here. Uh, She says, my uh, believing husband really doesn't think a mixed faith marriage can work. He feels like both spouses just think the other one is dead wrong, which leads one to believe the other is naive and delusional. And the other believes their spouse is not faithful and being led, being led away by Satan. He also thinks they're both just always waiting for the other to come to their senses and join them. How do you feel about that? How would you assuage? Assuage? How do you pronounce assuage. Assuage? I'm, I'm not sure I'm not what that word is. Um, it's assuage. You're right. Assuage. Assuage. Right. assuage. I was right on my second try. How would you assuage these fears? So let's split it up into two. Matt, answer, kind of speak to the believing that your spouse is not faithful and being led away by Satan. I mean, that's as dramatic a statement as they come, which I've gotten. I'm sure, Lindsay, you've heard something similar from, from some people. But yep. uh, speak to your experience uh, with Lindsay and, and whether or not you ever felt that way and how you feel about her now. Sure. So um, I think I, I, uh, I may have felt that way. I'm trying to think back. 
how I would think about this now is very different than probably how I thought about it uh, early on. Um, I'm sure early on I was there were probably a lot of a lot of things going through my head. You should be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. When I turn those around, it comes back to what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing. I think we talked about this earlier, but um, it it's interesting because if if I the moment I start saying that someone else is being led away by Satan, <laughs> if I were to, to look at that statement, I'm the one who is doing, who is being led away because I'm the one who's doing the judging. <laughs> I, I'm the, I'm the one who, who is, who is saying, who's not looking at the beam in my own eye and who's uh, looking at, you know, <laughs> trying to take out the, the, sliver out of my neighbor's eye. (laughs) And so even though it's very easy to go there, it's, it's very easy to go straight to judgment and very easy to go straight to you should, or you shouldn't, you know, I, I try and think of, of how, how Christ would, would address things. And, And he would, he would say, you know, look at your own eye first before you try and cast the beam, before you try and take the sliver out, cast the beam out of your own eye. So um, am I being as loving to my spouse as I possibly can? Am I, am I caring about their feelings? Am I caring about, about where they are at and, and what they're feeling and, and how they're, what they're going through? Um, am I, you know, supporting them and, and loving them? Because that's the essence, I believe, of the gospel is love. And so um, if I'm not doing that, then, then you know, I'm... I, you know, I, I'm the one who's, who's being led away, I guess. Thank you. Lindsay, uh, are you just waiting for Matt to come to his senses and join you? And if not, how in the world can your marriage work if he never joins you? Right. (laughs) That's what I used to wonder all the time. Um, no, honestly, like for sure. But the first couple of months after I, after I left, I for sure thought that I was like, I think the only reason you're staying is because you're a people pleaser. I think the only reason you're staying, I had all these reasons. Yeah. I think the only reason you're staying is because you love the, the ego trip that you get what, you know, by having these callings and different things. And, and oh my gosh, so yeah, so so selfish of me to to think those things, but also so natural, so normal. I try now just to not be judgmental of myself too. You know, looking back at those first couple of months when I was, um, you know, looking back, at it, it feels very unwise and selfish of me to have thought those things. But but I just try to be curious and go, oh gosh, look how far I've come. Like. I just feel like we're in such a better place now, you know, where, where the judgment is lower, the love is higher. And, um, but like, truly I, I did, I had to come to a place where I believed Matt that what he, that staying was what was best for him, you know, because having even a, a little sliver of, um, I'm pretty sure you're wrong and I'm right, or I'm pretty sure what's best for you is what I think it just is always a wedge, you know? And so I really, I really truly practice the thought really frequently that I believe you when you say this is what's best for you right now. You know, the thought that the bridge thought that has helped me to get to a better place in our marriage. But. I love that thought of, I, I believe that what you need, uh, that you're doing what you need right now. And don't, mm-hmm. don't doubt their touts wait dang it i can't <laughs> no you can't <laughs> Dieter. 
And, and this is why that question leads so well into kind of the way I'd love to wrap up the, the, the episode here is by, by talking about how your mar- marriage is actually strengthened through this journey, because there's, there's one thing and, and about the question that, that that listener just asked that I believe uh, can be looked at in a very different way rather than can a marriage work. I I've looked at how our marriage is better and we're so much closer than we were in a lot of ways. It doesn't mean that everything is easier. There, it presents itself challenges, of course. But can you talk, please, about before all of this happened compared to now, in what ways are, is your marriage strengthened and what, made, what, what ways is it better? Lindsay, we'll start with you. See, though, our, our marriage, it used to just be more like an echo chamber. It was like, I believe this, I do too. I believe this, I do too. And I feel like our... Like our love, like if it was like you were looking at it from the outside, like it was a little terrarium, a little glass terrarium with two little plants inside, like it was beautiful, but it was little. (laughs) And I feel now like we're two people standing on the edge of a great canyon and we're holding hands and we're just like looking out into the distance together. And I just feel, I don't know, I honestly, it's crazy, like how much our marriage has changed and how much better it is. And, And it's not just like, it's not just little things like we're, we're better friends. We are like, even this is going to sound crazy, but even like our, just like our intimacy is just like more profound, you know, than ever was before. And anyway, just, I don't know. And our, the way we love our children is deeper and stronger and better. And I'm, I'm a believer that you never have to search after adversity. It will just find you. So I'm not saying to anyone, like, if you don't have a mixed faith marriage, you should make one. <laughs> you should go find one. But honestly, like, if you do have one, I would high, just strongly encourage you to think of it as, um, if you can, see it as something that's happening for you, not something that's happening to you, because it can it can change it can change you in so many beautiful ways yeah matt anything to add there no absolutely i i i completely agree with that and i think yeah it can be the secret to your success instead of saying this is uh, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me how is this the best thing that ever happened to me how is this how is this the secret to our success because it really it really has been. It has been something that has, it's helped me refine my beliefs. It's helped Lindsay refine her beliefs. It's helped me expand um, my understanding and, and my love. And it's helped her un- expand her understanding and love. And it's helped us um, choose each other. Like literally say, you know what? I, I'm making the choice to love you and to stay in this marriage, not just stay in this marriage, but make this marriage amazing. And it's been so good. Absolutely. Because you choose each other and that's the life you want. And I just, that's so beautiful. I love what we both said. Is there anything else that either of either of you would like to say to those who are listening? If you are, if you're looking for, for maybe some help with this, um, you can, we've, we've, uh, we've got a website called mixedfaithmarriagecoaching.com. We just want to put some stuff out there that will help people just like you guys are. Thank you so much for, for putting this podcast out there. Um, we, we think that, you know, this can be the secret to your success. And, and, and so, um, if, if you're at a place where you, you'd like 
some help with some of those thoughts and some of those ideas, um, we'd love to help you. Yeah, I would just, my final words would just be, yeah, that it's totally possible to have a beautiful, thriving, mixed-faith marriage. And um, if you want it and if you choose it, then just like any other marriage, it can be, it can be just fantastic. So, yeah. Matt and Lindsay, thank you so much. You've been awesome. It's been a great time uh, chatting with you. We will get in person soon and we will bring cookies. <laughs> Multiple <laughs> cookies for their kids also. That's right. We got to bring them. <laughs> We're so in. <laughs> Three each. That's right. Those that are, that are listening, as we kind of sign off here, if you're listening to, to Matt and, and Lindsay and, and Katie and I on this episode, on other episodes, just know that we don't have this figured out. We're working at it. If you're I, this whole entire episode, as you guys have been talking, I've been thinking about those that are that are just now entering this. I'm, I'm thinking of the believing spouse. Mm-hmm. My husband, my wife is telling me that they don't believe anymore. And oh my mm-hmm. gosh, my world is collapsing. Yeah. Give yourself time. Give yourself space. Remember who you married and remember how much you love them. It's, this is a process. It's, you're not going to get through this all in a week. Mm-hmm. You just heard a great story from another couple that very eloquently has, has stated that, that they're making this not only work, but, but thriving and their marriage is so much stronger. So again, thank you very much. Mm, thank you. Thanks so much, you guys. All right. This has been Marriage on a Tightrope. Uh, thanks again. You can write us an email at marriageonatightrope at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Marriage on a Tightrope. And we'll see you next time. Walking a tightrope